I have two words, 13 letters, which just might transform the art of grammar in your home school. Crystal Joy Campbell here. Thanks for joining me in Classical Matters. Today, as we continue to explore the art of grammar, we will look at using these two words, naming and knowing, to simplify things. Who doesn't want that? So, stick around. In episode 12, we took a look at one of the seven liberal arts, grammar. We explored how grammar often is understood as a subject, how words relate to words, how they function and work together. This is called special grammar and is much more concerned with the process or the technique of language, like Latin, English, or Spanish grammar. But then we were introduced to what is called general grammar. And general grammar can be understood as the relating of words to ideas and realities. We came to understand that the actual beginning of grammar is naming, that it goes beyond labeling and toward imparting meaning, identity, and participation with, that memory plays a very important role in naming. We laid down two rails to guide us on our journey. The first was naming, and the second was practicing naming through encouraging attention and memory, by asking questions of our students, and by being a worthy example to imitate, by strengthening our own ability to name. You know, early on, when I was wrestling with trying to understand the art of grammar, I was introduced to the word naming as a starting point or a door to enter through, and another starting point for me was the word knowing. So grammar quickly became naming and knowing for me. These two words helped me and still help me to not become overwhelmed by the art of grammar. When I remember that all I really need to do is lead my children toward naming and knowing, I find the art of grammar thrives in my home school. In the last episode, we delved into naming Now, let's jump into knowing. So, we can know of someone or know of something, but to actually know is different, isn't it? Let me give you an example. One of my daughters is horse crazy. She draws them. She reads stories about them. She educates herself about them. She works and saves her money so as to one day be able to buy one. She dreams about them, thinks about them, talks incessantly about them. You get my point. Up till just recently, she had limited exposure to the actual animal. She had taken a few lessons and only had infrequent opportunities to ride. But for the last three months, we have had the opportunity to lease a horse. Three days a week, we go out to the barn to feed, ride, and exercise this large retired jumper. This past week, we have had a huge dump of snow. It's icy and cold and windy and generally unpleasant. But we still had to make our way out to the barn to feed and exercise this horse. After arriving home from the barn, my daughter came up to me and said, Ugh, even though it's so cold and ucky out and I really didn't want to go, I'm so glad we went out to the barn because I'm getting to really know horses. All of her previous knowledge, encounters, and passion could not gift her with actually knowing horses. She didn't actually know them 
until she spent a significant amount of time with them, interacting with them, observing them, how they move, how they interact with other horses, other animals, humans, how they eat or, like this horse, slop and drink, how they smell and feel, how they change as the seasons change, how they react to sound and light and temperature. My daughter now recognizes in herself that she is actually coming to know horses. This example illustrates grammar as naming and knowing. Naming and knowing go beyond just labeling and toward imparting. It imparts meaning, identity, and participation with. It calls us to interact, compare, interpret, or draw meaning from to imagine. It requires our time and attention, our wonder and curiosity. Naming and knowing imprint upon our memory and give rise to remembrance. So these two words, these 13 letters are simple, but not shallow. There is a depth and a power to their meaning. Simplifying grammar to naming and knowing is not a reduction of the art, but merely a way for us busy moms to approach an often overwhelming task. It's like a hook to hang your hat on, to remind us of the true nature and purpose of grammar. And naming and knowing is a worthy door to enter through into the art of grammar. And, as always, there is more. The art of grammar calls us to go deeper. As I've pointed to, memory is bound up with naming and knowing. It is fundamental to the act of naming and knowing, but memory is just not accurate recall. It is a remembrance of, a recollection, to collect again, even a reconstitution. It is remembrance that beckons tradition and our participation in it. If there is no remembrance, then there can be no true tradition. And tradition is important for a variety of reasons, but in the realm of education, it is very significant. One of the purposes of education is the transmission of the culture from one generation to the next. And that is done through tradition, or the spirit of tradition, as Stratford Caldecott likes to say. So, if what education is trying to do is transmit culture, and that is done primarily through tradition, then we should look to find where the rise of tradition is. And from where we are exploring, it looks like it's pointing toward the art of grammar. So, the theme that grammar gives rise to tradition is an important topic which we will have to come back to at some point. But for now, place this within your heart to ponder and contemplate. That grammar gives rise to tradition. Tradition is infused with remembrance, and remembrance rises out of attention, memory, imitation, connection, imagining, comparing, interpreting. And all of these are found in the art of grammar. True grammar is not just the process of attaching labels, categorizing or identifying, but it will produce true knowledge of what things really are and who we really are. 
and by this allowing us to enter more into participation with reality. By approaching grammar from here, we become artists of naming, knowing, and being. And yes, it is important to learn special grammar with the parts of speech and whatnot, and it is even important to learn other languages. But fundamentally, by training attention and memory, practicing the discipline of learning by heart, we are able to see better, remember more accurately, and to imitate more honestly, to compare more readily, and most importantly, to cultivate imagining and the ability to see the interconnectedness of all things. But yet, here we still are asking, okay, but how? How do I actually do this? Well, armed now with greater understanding of the why and the what of the art of grammar, we can look more specifically at the practices, the how-tos. So, join me next time as we look at practical ways to put these ideas into practice. It may be helpful to go back and listen to Episode 5, The Four Essential Skills. And again, I am so indebted to the written works of Sister Miriam Joseph in her book, The Trivium, Stratford Caldicott in his book, Beauty and the Word, and Kevin Clark and Ravi Scott Jane in their book, The Liberal Arts Tradition. Without these great minds, I would still just be plugging away at the latest grammar curriculum. I hope these short episodes of Classical Matters give you a springboard for the rest of your week to think, explore, contemplate, ponder, and discuss classical education. I would love to hear from you because real transformation happens through dialogue, conversation, and community. Leave me a comment by following me on Facebook or reach out to me through my website. Both are linked in the show notes. Share this with a friend and follow the Classical Matters podcast and join the great conversation of classical education. Don't forget to tune in next time as we explore the practices of the art of grammar. Blessings for your week.